Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gagillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at and slash hypergig with details. Dealing with pests can be a pain, but relax. Terminix can help. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. With over 95 years of experience, they have what it takes to take on any pest problem fast. If your home or business has pests, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We're joined, as always, with our super producer, Alexis, codenamed Doc Holiday Jackson. Most importantly, you are you. You are here. And that makes this the stuff they don't want you to know. It is time for our weekly listener mail segment. We're going a lot of places here, folks. Uh, First off, as we said earlier this week, we want to thank everybody who is able to meet us in Atlanta for our book launch. It was so cool to uh, to meet in person several people that at least I have been talking to for years at this point over social media or email or so on. Just, you know, there's an importance with putting putting yourself in the physical presence of people who become uh, close friends, I would say. Uh, we're going to hear from some of our fellow conspiracy realists. We're going to learn about the ins and outs of competitive fishing. Uh, we are going, and I won't spoil that, but we'll, we'll get some terminology in there. Uh, we're going to learn about uh, some firsthand experience from a law enforcement officer with the shot spotter system, which is going to be uh, the top, the subject of an upcoming episode in the near future. And before we do that, we wanted to ease into this week's segment with a wonderful letter that is, I would say, revelatory, coming from someone calling themselves Sparkles the Tooth Fairy. So Sparkles, if you hear this, big, big fan. Uh, a lot of people, you know, I can always tell when we do an episode that resonates with a lot of people because a lot of our fellow listeners will hit me up on like Twitter, Ben Bolin HSW, or Instagram, Ben Bolin in a burst of creativity, and just... uh Give us this inside look at something that we might be very unfamiliar with. And that's what Sparkles did. So I think we were all, all three of us and many of us listening, uh, were surprised that the glitter episode is proof that almost any imaginable thing might have some secrets lurking deep in the story. Glitter is no different. Quick recap before we get into this letter. What we found in our episode is that 
The two biggest glitter manufacturers in the United States, who are both in New Jersey, are named Glitterex and Meadowbrook, and they are incredibly cartoonishly secretive about their customer base. They will tell you, it is common knowledge, that there is one industry or one genre of industry that is by far the largest consumer of glitter in the U.S., but they will not, these companies will absolutely not reveal who that is. Um, We received a lot of correspondence to this in the show. Uh, A lot of people were writing to me about this. uh, And I think what was beautiful is we're all kind of collaborating together to figure this out. Uh, I want to shout out one place in particular, uh, the podcast Endless Thread. Have you guys heard of Endless Thread? It's a great show. No, I like the name though. Tell us more. (laughs) Good. Uh, So Endless Thread did an episode on the glitter mystery as well. What is it that Big Glitter doesn't want us to know? And several of our listeners had forwarded this to me, and I had had listened to it in doing some research for our, our glitter episode. But I, and I say this with absolute affection, Endless Thread is an awesome show. But I just, in this case, happened to not be 100% persuaded that they had found the answer. Um, if you are okay with spoilers, give you a spoiler warning, three, two, one. Uh, their episode ends concluding that this is uh, the main genre of industry for glitter is boat paint. Uh, and they make an okay case for it. Honestly, again, they do very good work. Uh, I just, I personally wasn't persuaded. And I get the feeling, Matt, Noel, that none of us were persuaded in our own episode that boat paint could be the answer. Is that on base? Did we even boat talk paint about boat paint? Candy paint, you know, for like kind of hot rods and stuff, that sparkly kind of, uh, you know, the kind of things you see on bumper cars at uh, amusement parks. Uh, we did talk about boat paint pretty briefly because we got more, uh, I think we we got deeper into the idea of micro taggants and uh, commercial and military explosives. But um, with that being said, uh, Endless Thread, uh, they, they felt pretty secure in saying that they thought the primary consumer of glitter, the big conspiracy of glitter, was that they were selling boat paint. And and there's some good arguments for that. There's some good evidence, like the idea that, you know, any watercraft, any maritime craft is, is absolutely brutal when it comes to maintenance. And so maybe there are huge cruise ships that have to uh, constantly be repainted or apply new paint for wear and tear. And maybe that stuff's leaching in the ocean and they would rather families not think about that when they're going on a cruise like that's understandable but sparkles guys sparkles the tooth fairy gave us uh something much uh i I don't know let me let let me just read this we'll see what we think We'll, we'll stop anytime along the way all right hey guys So I work in regulatory and have worked for a government contractor company and can give you some insight into how glitter was making its way into their hands. Number one, the government and military are the majority of consumers. Military, planes, ships, drones, weapons, tents, and building covers. They all purchase specific and patented glitter to mix into their paints for counterintelligence. They have developed certain glitters that, when suspended in a paint or coating, form specific chains to either scramble receivers, trackers, and satellites, or entirely disappear in the sky from photographs by blending into their surroundings. Some form specific chains and will also form mirror-like properties to invade other governments. It's wild. Well, what do you think? Just answer our question. Maybe not explosives, but that is fabulous. It reminds right? me of a dazzle camo, like an old school mm-hmm. kind of way of uh, ships, like destroyers. They're kind of painted with these like um, zebra stripe kind of things that were sort of like not fully aligned. And it was just a very analog cloaking device, essentially. Like they essentially just blend into the horizon because of these, uh, you know, kind of stripes. Mm-hmm. What zebras do. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
And also human beings do have stripes. They're just not as visible. Uh, check out Stuff You Should Know, short stuff on that. I think it just came out recently, but it's, it's wild. Yeah, uh, this is the claim by someone who worked in regulation and also gave us some uh, other info uh, that uh, we're not sharing on air. Well, it also reminds me of like heat uh, shimmers and the idea of mirages, you know, where mm-hmm. like certain things can reflect off of uh, things in the desert and, you know, create these kind of like optical illusions. It's just a kind of human way of harnessing that. And it really, you know, it's very similar to the dazzle. And also, like, I imagine there would be different areas that maybe have different uh, types of glitter. And when you combine them, they sort of create this sort of like greater than the sum of their parts effect. Mm, yeah, like microbes and fungi <laughs> So in your mouth. Just so. Check, check out the strange news segment from earlier. Uh, next point that Sparkles raises. Two, working in regulatory, I can tell you that compostable glitter is made mostly with a PLA plastic that can degrade, but is expensive and can only be used with certain colors. Plus, academia is finding out that PLA actually degrades into microplastics, stuck. Can we get a womp womp? There it is. So compostable glitter may not be in the market much longer. And Sparkles has linked to uh, some, some interesting information about that. Third point, this is something we talked about as well. Cosmetics and personal care use specific metallics that do not harm your skin in certain uses. Metallics and glitter used near the eye, or glitters rather, uh, have to be a specific shape, while mica is put into eye creams and face creams to give you that glow, where it tricks you into thinking your skin is glowing when it's light reflecting. So we've got confirmation about glitter and makeup, which I, I think we all, I think does pretty public knowledge too, but what about this next one? This is a doozy. Number four, Mica is also approved to be put into food and is often found used as a whitener to make bread appear brighter. It is in so many foods you would never think of. Pasta, cheese, bread, cookies, marshmallows, etc. And mica is that silvery kind of almost shell-like looking stuff that you see occurring naturally in sediments and rocks, right? Yeah, that would kind of got to me. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not an expert on bread, but I, I like it without, you know, mica in it. Uh, but anyway, Sparkles ends on saying, five, all that shimmers isn't always gold. Best Sparkles, the tooth fairy. So what do you guys think? This sounds like someone who is speaking with insider information. Yes, we were definitely locking into the whole proprietary angle of it uh, in terms of the explosives. In terms of using it to track explosives, I think this seems a little less far-fetched and the proprietary thing still holds true because, you know, these combinations, I mean, it's sort of like having a very specific mix of of colors to make a, a proprietary paint that you can copyright or trademark or like a glaze if you're a potter or something. A lot of potters, bread and butter is literally having a very unique combination of uh, materials that creates a certain glaze that anyone can't just copy because they and they won't make it you know public. This really rings true to me. I think this whole message is a cipher. Ah. I think all we need to know about this message and what this person is trying to say is in the name. Ah, okay. A dentifrice of some sort, yes? Yes. It's <laughs> something with a tooth fairy, something that sparkles. Uh, this is a secret coded message, guys. Uh, uh, you know what? I will play your reindeer games, or uh, these dental games in this case. Uh, I... Uh, there's a lot. I know there's a lot of material science that goes into dentistry. Um, and I guess, you know, what we could do is if we did some quick cocktail napkin math, then all we would need to do is get the, uh, the current population of the United States and then multiply that by the average number of teeth that people have and then uh, account for you know, people who can uh, regularly see a dentist. I think I'm going in, in the wrong rabbit hole. I think, I, I think I'm in the wrong rabbit hole, guys. But I like, I like the idea. It's just so weird. I mean, I got so many responses, people reaching out directly 
with with their guesses. Um, and I just don't feel like I feel like there are really good points to the boat paint or the boating industry paint argument. But I the military spends so much money and it's so huge and it would also need boat paint. So I, I don't know. I'm more persuaded by sparkles unless, as you said, Matt, it is a cipher and the real message is to watch out for uh, sparkly teeth. Yeah, man. <laughs> uh, so it sounds like we're, we're persuaded here. Want to hear your take, folks, uh, especially if you, like Sparkles, are able to confirm your firsthand familiarity with this sort of stuff. Uh, and also, I would love it. Uh, write to the show, or you can always, you know, hit me up directly on social media. Uh, let us know what other seemingly wholesome industries they have a dark side about them, a cover up, uh, a bit of stuff they don't want you to know. Uh, while you're while you're thinking through that, uh, why not join us for a break for a word from our sponsors, and we'll be back with more messages from you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode is brought to you by Terminix. Terminix can't help you solve the world's biggest mysteries or take on alien life. At least not the ones you're thinking of. But they can help take care of pesky invaders in your home. Like the ants in your kitchen, the roaches under your sink, and the termites in the walls. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. No matter what type of pest it is, they can Terminix it fast with personalized pest care that puts you in control. Their expertly trained technicians may not know true crime, but they know their local pest pressures. And with customized plans tailored to your specific situation, you get everything you need to not just get pests out, but keep them out for good. Between their speedy service, caring technicians, and over 95 years of experience, it's no mystery why they're trusted by homes and businesses everywhere. So if you have a pest problem, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com to book online today. Attention, true crime enthusiast. Searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals, your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. And we're back. And uh, I think we've all been super fascinated by both the chess cheating scandal, which um, 
I, I did see Ben. You pointed out there was a, uh, a a paper or like a PDF that was released that was quite in depth um, analyzing that this guy Hans Niemann, this uh, chess master uh, in question, has likely cheated in online matches uh, more than a hundred times. Um, so that was interesting. Um, but I did get a, a direct message on Instagram from. Someone who would like to be referred to as Kerball, giving us a little bit more detail surrounding the phishing scandal that we recently discussed, where a two-person team was discovered to have been loading their fish with weights and uh, pre-cut or store-bought fish fillets. That that, that one just keeps cracking me up. Because it's like, what what do they think was going to happen? Like, why why does it even have to be fish fillets? Like, if someone was going to open it up and be like, oh, it's... Look, it's it's the same thing. It's the same material. It's fine. And then pairing them with the weights, it's just comical. But um, had a couple of really interesting points from uh, Kerball. The uh, first of which is that a referee, I think I asked this question in the segment, uh, at a fishing tournament is a waymaster. So that's literally the person that's like, you know, uh, assigning the official results by weighing the halls. Um, and then we mentioned the idea of a, uh, polygraph tests being used in fishing. And I, I think I was a little bit broad. I don't think I fully understood how that was um, integrated into the proceedings. And, and we got some really good detail around that and several other things. So Kerball writes, cheating at tournaments is more common than the general public is aware of. My dad is a pro king mackerel tournament fisherman. Uh, I won junior angler of the year on the circuit more than anyone else last I checked. Polygraphs are only done when someone protests the win. Uh, The most common thing people do to cheat is take bait fish and make it look like it's been chewed up, then shove it down the throat and use something to push it down. It can be done when the fish is still partially alive and it will start to digest it if it doesn't throw it up. Ew. Uh, We didn't cheat. We didn't cheat when I fished with my dad, but it definitely happens. Putting weights in a fish is not smart, as usually the fish are gutted after weighing, or at the very least, all the fish are sold or donated to local charities and will be filleted, so the cheater will be discovered. Uh, Also, those weights are standard weights used on fishing rigs, commonly referred to as an egg sinker. Um, So that's, yeah, I mean, all of that stuff makes sense, but it really calls into question how these guys got away with it for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, and if the, if they had gotten away with it for so long to the point where it made them kind of uh, comfortable and then they maybe just like pushed it to the next level uh, with adding the weights in, because it's a good point. Like something's going to happen to the fish. Do they, do they give them back to you? If it's out of your hands, eventually someone's going to go digging around in there and find things that don't belong. But obviously this didn't happen for some time because these two folks uh, that that we're talking about, whose names are escaping me at the moment, um, had won many of these types of tournaments um, and and hauled in quite a lot of fish and a lot of prize money. I think it was in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. um, Well, their claim was that this was the first time, right? Mm -hmm. That is their claim, but that's the problem, right? I mean, it's the same thing with the, with the chess cheating where when, someone is discovered, it calls into question everything they've done in the past. And if you go back and look for patterns like they did with the, uh, the, the chess cheating, you start to find them. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's when you're caught the first time. It's usually not the first time. It's usually after you've kind of gotten a little bit sloppy. Right. That's a hard thing to maintain. You know what I mean? It's like if you were a cop, and you pulled someone over for speeding, and they said, ah, oh, I'm sorry, got me. It's my first time speeding, even though I've driven a car for years. You would need some extra proof. Like, I, I, would, file, I would file this claim of not cheating uh, or cheating only once and getting caught. I would file it under extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. Uh, you'd have to go Absolutely. back through and prove everything. I would say, uh, you know, Kerbal, one thing that's been on my mind here uh, since we originally covered that story is whether or not it's possible that these guys knew the Waymasters in previous competitions. Would it be possible for there to be collusion between the authorities and the competitors? I don't know. I'm just, it's interesting because I don't know if that's a question we asked 
last time we talked about this. What do you guys think? We did not. That wouldn't make sense. Uh, it's certainly a reasonable question to ask since, you know, again, where there, wherever there's money, there are deals to be cut. And uh, if someone's a sure thing, chances are they've got some in with the uh, the waymaster or the referee or whatever who, who are getting cut in. Um, but I can't imagine that it would be the same person every time. So it'd be pretty hard to know who it's going to be. But maybe maybe I'm wrong. Uh, Curveball, let us know. In these types of tournaments that are in, in the same you know parts of the, the state, uh, is it going to be the same person that's, uh, that's weighing the fish every time? And, you know, it'll be interesting to see if any collusion is uncovered, because obviously now there is an investigation. And once people start sniffing around, you know, these kinds of uh, connections start to reveal themselves. Yeah, 100 percent. I mean, this is this is the thing. Okay, this is going to sound like a weird stories. So one of my old grade school friends had, uh, I guess, one of those sudden changes in life situations and he relocated to Colorado where he is a professional uh, fisherman. I think a professional, like competitive fisherman uh, and travels around doing this. And I actually wrote to him to ask about this. So I'm going to be talking with him. I think later over the, over the weekend. Well, you have to understand, uh, present company excluded the vast majority of my uh, friends are very, very strange people. So I will uh, send you guys. <laughs> hey, we're strange people. It's being strange is cool. <laughs> you don't want to be excluded. Okay. If you guys are on board too, uh, what I'll do is on our group chat, I will just, uh, I'll drop you guys a line before, oh, not a fish joke. I'll drop you guys a line before we meet. And then I'll, we'll like buddy system it. And I'll, if you don't hear from me, seek the fisherman. But it is, uh, the cool thing is, this is such an uber competitive thing. And I know I can't speak for everybody on the show, but I know I was definitely not super aware of almost anything. Like, I know how to fish. I have fished, but I I have no idea how competitive fishing works. What about you guys? Oh, my buddy Nick is a competitive fisher up in Augusta or over in Augusta. Is it over in Augusta? Down in Augusta? Down in Augusta. uh, Okay. Sure. (laughs) But yeah, uh, I know a little bit from him. uh, And it seems super, super cool. A lot of the... um, Oh, man, he would would correct me and I would probably be wrong. I I thought that some of the tournaments were catch and release. So you catch a fish, you get it weighed, and then you release it or you report self-report in some of them i don't know how it functions oh well, never mind i don't know anything no no wait, wait, <laughs> no, wait. Oh, come on no, no, let's no. go with this because i've got an idea let's just extend some empathy to uh what, what what if there is one fish that has been continually caught in annual catch and release competitions and it is somehow just accepted that it is abducted once a year right Maybe that's what's happening with UFO abductees. People feel like they've been abducted multiple times. Maybe it's like a competitive fishing thing for extraterrestrials. I think I'm solving the wrong problem here. Sorry. Uh, you're, you're right, Matt. Uh, it, it depends on the, the area or the, the state laws, you know, and the, the DNR or whatever. But in Georgia, it does appear that most uh, bass tournaments anyway are catch and release and um i've got a friend uh, who lives in savannah who fishes a lot and i'm always confused when he's like showing off fishes fish fishes fish that he caught and then he's releasing them but then sometimes he, he keeps them i think when you have a fishing license you're supposed to report how many you keep or something and if you hmm. catch and release them then that doesn't enter into your quota perhaps I'm not sure. I mean, surely overfishing is something to be considered. So you can't just fish willy nilly and just keep them all. I would think there would be some rules around that. My son wants to start fishing, which is really exciting to me. And I've never caught a fish before in my life. So see what happens. You're going to have fun when you catch your, your first fish. And you can totally do the catch and release thing. You know, there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. I, I would say for children, uh, learning to fish is like a great way to explore uh quiet focus. That's definitely something that can be, uh, at least it was challenging to me. All those many, those many moons ago when I was learning to fish, I was like, does this just mean you 
you sit by your dad's friends as they drink in silence on a boat. That's what I understood. It yeah. <laughs> yeah. It'll just be me getting drunk on a boat and my son <laughs> just there being quiet. Don't get too drunk. Though, Sounds you gotta, exciting. You got to pilot the boat back yeah, to you shore. Get you know, yeah. don't want to be marooned. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I'm only joking. I would never do that. No, I but know. The, I, I, my uncle is a, is an outdoorsman and I went fishing with him once when I was like, probably seven and there's a picture of me holding a tiny little fish that i caught and it was it's very uh very pathetic but uh i do remember that and i remember at the time even he had all the newest bells and whistles and like you know things that could uh uh almost like gps type things that could you know plumb the depths uh on a little screen and kind of show you little bogeys and whatnot oh yeah Yeah, those things are cool so cool well, this one could be a quick one because we are still waiting for kind of updates on the story. Um, but uh, thank you, Kerball, for the inside uh, scoop on on fishing um, and in tournaments. And uh, and oh, the polygraph thing is very interesting. That makes sense that it would only be instituted if there was a, you know, uh, someone protested. Yeah, you know, agreed. The, the weight. Or, but then, I, you know, I've, I've been talking about this a lot with friends and I was at a party the other night and uh, this came up. I overheard some people talking about uh, the, the fishing things. I literally heard someone say, we got weights. They were quoting the video, you know, where people were like losing their mind. And like it was almost like a lynch mob was assembling. Um, but the question came up, what do you ask them in the polygraph? Like, just is it just as simple as like, did you cheat? Or like, what, what What do you think, Ben, knowing what you know about oh. the procedure? Again, highly fallible right. procedure of polygraphs. What kind of line of questioning do you think uh, a protested uh, fishing um, situation would, would Oh, require? yeah, let's crowdsource this. Uh, so for, um, let's think tank it. So <laughs> there are a lot of hilarious answers, but the, the first thing is, yes, I'm really glad you pointed out polygraphs are at best a, an assessment tool. And at worst, they're junk science. So what you would want to do if you can, if you're administering it in a legit way, is you want to ask what are called baseline questions, and that'll show you what a person's natural state is. You know, like their heart rate, other signals, and so on. So you would ask them stuff that everybody in the conversation already knows the answer to. What's your name? Right? Is it true you live it? Blah 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 blah. And then you would uh, start amplifying that a little bit once you've got the baseline then you would start asking them things that they would have to confirm to be untrue right like um you would say uh is it true that you're from new york and they might say no i'm from kentucky and then you see how they react to that kind of stuff so once you have this is my understanding of this i'm not a professional polygraph administrator. Uh, If you are in the audience, please write to us. We'd love to hear your experience. But after that, I think, after you somehow establish that baseline, you move to those questions that might be cheating. So you want to see how they react to stuff like, um, how much did each fish you caught weigh? Like each fish you caught today. Well, how many fish did you catch, right? And then you start... Uh, It's similar to um, an interrogation. You ask the same question, phrase different ways, and see if they trip up. Does that make sense? We could try it. We could polygraph each other. No, it totally totally makes sense. And that's, you know, I knew the answer would probably be pretty unremarkable. Um, You have the baseline, obviously, is very important. And then it would just have to be something very specific. You know, no one's going to know exactly what their fish are going to weigh. So it would have to be something like, did you stuff your fish or did you get did you you know throw these fish in did you use cheat bait or whatever it might be uh, i always remember the episode of king of the hill where hank hill you know accidentally was using crack uh, as uh, as fish bait <laughs> and then he was super you know it was very successful and then he ended up having to uh i think he ended up getting caught with with crack and then he had to appear before a judge, and then he had to convince the judge that he was actually believed that he was using it for <laughs> bait. And then in order to do that, the judge, being one of those kind of outside-the-box judge thinkers, he took him out on the boat and showed him that it worked. And that's that's then he's like, okay, I believe oh, you. Oh, Mr. Show has one of the best uh, polygraph sketches, too. Those guys are great. That's a fun one. You know what, uh, Noel, maybe the a good question to ask would be, how much did the fish weigh when you caught it? How much would you guess? Mm. And then they would like, 
I don't know that you don't want to ask people to guess stuff that goes against it. I don't know. It's just, it's a way to mess with people, but how about, are you a lying son of a gun? (laughs) You know, that could be a a good one. How many weights do Um, you usually put in fish? How many did you put in today? (laughs) Right. Yeah. And also like, you know, a lot of these, uh, these tournaments take place in kind of rural parts of the country. Like where do you get you a, a professional polygraph person, you know, on, 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 on demand. You'd be surprised. I mean, and also, Uh, yeah, probably. Do they just, are they just calling them? Are they a self appointed polygraph expert? Is it just like Dwayne's got a polygraph? Someone call Dwayne. Get him up here. Yeah. No, dude, that's that's a new thing. Uh, This is, this is going to happen. We need this. This is like, I'm going to start a business. We're hiring. We're going to do polygraph tests at fishing tournaments all across the country. Let's Mm -hmm. do it. Yeah. Traveling kind of, you know, salesman style. I like that. Um, well, let's, uh, let's um, throw this one back. Uh, there we go. Re- release this one into the wild uh, for now and um, take a quick break and hear a word from our sponsor and then come back with one more piece of uh, listener mail. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode is brought to you by Terminix. Terminix can't help you solve the world's biggest mysteries or take on alien life. At least not the ones you're thinking of. But they can help take care of pesky invaders in your home. Like the ants in your kitchen, the roaches under your sink, and the termites in the walls. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. No matter what type of pest it is, they can Terminix it fast with personalized pest care that puts you in control. Their expertly trained technicians may not know true crime, but they know their local pest pressures. And with customized plans tailored to your specific situation, you get everything you need to not just get pests out, but keep them out for good. Between their speedy service, caring technicians, and over 95 years of experience, it's no mystery why they're trusted by homes and businesses everywhere. So if you have a pest problem, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com to book online today. Attention, true crime enthusiasts. Searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals, your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. And we're back. We're going to jump to some correspondence we've received after we discussed ShotSpotter, the exciting law enforcement technology that puts microphones all across the city and then pinpoints uh, gunshots, really, within a square mile, a certain square mile, 
of a city. Uh, it's it's on a per square mile basis. That's how you buy ShotSpotter tech and get it installed and get it working. So let's jump right into it. We've got a fairly lengthy email from someone who has some experience with the technology. And I'm going to start going through this and then we can uh, just, I guess, stop me when we want to talk about it. Otherwise, I'm just going to barrel through it because it is pretty right long. Okay, here we go. Greetings, gentle beings. I just finished listening to your listener mail segment on ShotSpotter, and I thought I would give a little feedback and perhaps a channel for potential questions I may be able to field as an end user of this system. I am a law enforcement officer in New York State, and the city in which I work has recently joined ShotSpotter. For the purposes of this correspondence, law enforcement officer will refer to road patrol level law enforcement, the basic street cop, which is where all my experience is, as it would be naive to pretend the systems used by street cops don't potentially have functions not known to us, but may be known by the top level or by the source company. For the roughly six years I have been working with ShotSpotter directly, it is far less scary from a privacy perspective as far as law enforcement officer handling goes. Obviously, I cannot speak to the company's integrity and handling of the recording data because that is outside my scope. In our city, somewhere in New York State, ShotSpotter was installed only in areas in which gun violence was already prevalent and does not have citywide coverage. As a matter of transparency and honesty, the, quote, map lines for the coverage do not follow apparent racial divides within the city directly, though the higher wealth areas of the city mostly do not have coverage, but also have a far lower prevalence of gun violence. Obviously, a whole separate issue in and of itself. I mean, that's super reasonable. I mean, it, it makes sense because they're not going to have an infinite budget. And uh, as we talked about in our in our book launch earlier, uh, it's pretty expensive to institute this. So I guess it's not surprising, right, that there would not be citywide coverage. You'd need to sort of triage and prioritize stuff. Yeah, just as a reminder, it is $10,000 per square mile to install the technology, all the microphones, and then it is up, upwards of $60,000 per year after that to run the system. And again, that's per square mile. you know what kind of microphones mile. they are, Matt? I do not know. Are they like parabolic type microphones, like they pick up things far away, or the the idea of an array is interesting. So I would imagine they're maybe in a cluster of three hundred and sixty degrees. I don't, I don't know specifically. I just know that they are dense enough within that square mile that anywhere a shot is fired, numerous microphones will pick it up. Mm-hmm. That's really just the whole point of it. As long as you can triangulate. So guys, let's jump back in here. Law enforcement officers cannot tap into microphone feeds and listen to what is going on around them. So that's a huge point, at least coming from a street level officer. They are saying that you cannot just listen into a microphone, which is, a you know, we'd have to take this law enforcement officer's word for it. But that right. that is that is like good to know if it is true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um And then the email continues, if gunfire is detected, the system autonomously alerts end users. There are web-based and app-based interfaces, which law enforcement officers and dispatchers have access to. From my experiences, I've heard gunfire nearby for myself, then received the alert shortly after. The expediency of the alert lends me to believe that it is not processed or verified, at least in the immediate, by living, breathing persons. The information conveyed by the system to law enforcement officers is a longitude-latitude coordinate with a pin on a map, how many rounds were detected, a waveform of the detection, and an audio snip which is extremely concise, uh, very short. The benefit to the audio snip comes while en route, so I guess while you're on your way to whatever that location is as a patrol-level officer. Vetting the activation to determine if it was in fact gunfire and not fireworks or a dumpster being dropped by waste management to determine if one labeled high capacity or automatic gunfire may be automatic or if potentially you hear multiple shooters and if there is high caliber gunfire. Depending on the activation's proximity to the sensors, you are sometimes able to determine between a small caliber handgun or something much larger. Or if you have something distinct like a shotgun or rifle, 
in no way can you precisely determine, quote, okay, I'll be looking for a nine millimeter. Mm. It's more like, okay, that was a pea shooter or, oh, that's something that can chew up my body armor. Okay. (laughs) Again, makes sense based on what we know about the technology. Uh, This this all tracks to me. I don't know about you guys. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think this all makes sense. Um, it's close to how it's described by uh, Spot Shotter in all of its documentation on its website. It's actually very close, if not exactly the same thing. So let's let's continue going. Just see if there are any differences here uh, in the personal experience. And the message continues. When the system was new to our city, the rate of activation for fireworks and dropped dumpsters, even sometimes car crashes, was relatively high. Over the last few years, it seems to have become much more accurate in separating that out, as well as improving the accuracy. Oh, here's where we get into the radius. This is important. The radius, as you mentioned, is approximately 90 feet, but is frequently within 10 to 15 feet, depending on the proximity to microphones and sources of echo nearby. The system frequently can tell if the shooter is moving, think a drive-by, and if different caliber guns are being used, and can tell if there are multiple shooters. The real perk to the system at least from a road patrol perspective, is the expediency of alert, which cuts all the time out of someone calling into dispatch, then dispatch typing it all out and then relaying it to us. Time matters with gunshot wounds. It's not like the movies where you get shot and pow, you're dead. I have personally started for and arrived on scene to gunshot wounds before someone on scene had finished giving the information to dispatch which is a great aid in triaging and treating injuries. ShotSpotter is less useful for catching the shooter at the scene, though does start mobilizing available units sooner if suspect information starts being broadcast, which has led to arrests. It is important to note that in New York State, ShotSpotter as a piece of evidence holds no actionable value. Mm -hmm. That's important. Right. That's really important. Um, And we're actually going to get into that really quickly at the end here, but keep that in your mind. In New York State, ShotSpotter as a piece of evidence holds no actionable value. Similar to like the way that a lie detector would not be considered uh, the best evidence in, in some ways. But what he means by actionable is that this uh, this can't function as evidence. It functions as a, a tool, right? As a sensory, mm-hmm. as a sensory process to uh, help save lives. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I do like that our law enforcement officer here is putting it in the helpful for triage mostly, right? Mm-hmm. To save somebody who has been wounded. Mm-hmm. And, well, and, of course, recovering ballistics, at least according to uh, ShotSpotter. So let's jump back in right here. Proximity to an activation along with other factors, but not by itself, can raise our DeBoer level. D-E-B-O-U-R level. DeBoer being a court case governing police-citizen interactions, in case you're not aware. Good reading with a lot of rabbit hole potential. Okay, we need to look at that, guys. D-E space B-O-U-R level. But it does not provide grounds for charges. That's what he's, he's kind of explaining there further. You can't say, like, we've got you on the shot spotter. Yeah, exactly. No, no, there's no way to identify that uh, person with that shot spotter audio. So let's jump back in here. As was stated in the segment, people frequently don't call police when they hear gunfire for a myriad of reasons, desensitization, fear of retaliation, etc. One such reason could be because they are dead or hiding. Mm -hmm. A common situation I run into is the shot spotter activation, no calls from citizens. On scene, we find a car or a home riddled with bullet strikes, with people hunkered down inside the house, afraid even to go get their phone. That makes sense to me. Of course, yeah. Most people don't like being shot at. I don't think that's a hot take. And, And, you know, also, when you go to ground like that in a firearm situation, your number one thing is going to be if I move, if I expose myself, is it possible that whomever fired at me is still out there just waiting to get a bead on me? You know what I mean? Like it's, yep. it's a terrifying sure. thing. And that makes the response time, the quick response time so important, right? Cause a police officer can show up. Well then even the, unless you've got lights and sirens going, you may not know it's a police officer, which is also a terrifying thing. Um, 
Okay, let's finish up right here, guys. In short, there are justifiable concerns with who is listening in and where legal lines are drawn with this type of technology. When you mix a private entity with proprietary technology and public sector applications, it certainly can be alarming or scary, but it isn't always nefarious. I have no knowledge of the nuts and bolts workings of this technology, but this is my end-user experience with this system. If I can further clarify anything, I would be happy to give it a go. Your friendly neighborhood, New York State law enforcement officer. Hey, that was helpful. This has been a great episode of updates and uh, insider information. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's let's unpack some of this. So, with this last uh, this last paragraph in particular, you know, I think NYS LEO. Uh, I think you're you're hitting on something that is the primary concern for a lot of people: a private entity with proprietary technology and public sector applications. And one thing I really like about the approach of this correspondence is it's very well-structured. Here are the things I know I can speak to. Here are the things that are, uh, as you said, outside of my scope. Uh, You may be interested to learn that a lot of the privacy concerns uh, that are being raised regarding ShotSpotter are exactly about that, a private entity with proprietary technology. Uh, Another thing we have to point out is that um, ShotSpotter technology may be uniform across every area in which it's deployed, but those areas, those municipalities, towns, and cities, they might... uh, they might not be using it in the correct way, or, you know, there may be a bad apple somewhere in there. Does that make sense? Like it's a corrupt small town. It's like a point of sale thing. It's like any kind of company that like, you know, sells things to lots of different types of businesses across the country. Uh, You have a rep and they come and they show it to you and maybe they help you install it and maybe help you if it breaks, but they're not there supervising you and making sure you're using it right. I think it's not even like OnStar or something where they've got like dispatchers that are that work for the company. I believe this is just another piece of kit that the law enforcement dispatchers have access to. So they could be poorly trained. They could be using it incorrectly. And there certainly could be examples of folks using it uh, without the best intentions. No, it's very true. Guys, I want to get into one more email that we got regarding ShotSparter. It's really quick. I promise. I just want to give the other side mm-hmm. of uh, the response that we've been getting from, from you out there. Uh, this comes from Mr. Shadow. Mm-hmm. It says, hello, my friends. Call me Mr. Shadow. I've been a longtime listener. I love the show. The ShotSparter subject was the first one to force me to reach out. Attached below is a few Twitter threads from a lawyer who battled ShotSpotter. That company is, this is the opinion of uh, Mr. Shadow, that company is using junk science and is almost singularly beholden to the police and their desires, lying about shots to support bad warrants, manipulating data used in prosecutions, suing individuals who speak truth about their behavior, and also... High crime areas are only ever deemed that by police, who are also the ones who measure reported crime. Please know that I love the show, but being a devil's advocate for a company of this nature is very unnecessary. Their racism and bootlicking has cost the black and brown communities lives, freedom, and privacy. Show me one shot spotter system in a suburb or a majority white neighborhood. Uh, I would just say, Mr. Shadow, I don't think we're necessarily being devil's advocate here. We're trying to analyze this topic as we do all of their topics from every side, from every angle, and take all information into account. I, I hope that's what uh, you, most people hear us doing, because that's what our attempt I'm, is. I'm really glad that we're sharing both of those messages. Uh, that's only a few of the messages we got about ShotSpotter, but uh, look forward to the episode, we're diving into all of this, uh, which is going to be a couple of sleepless nights in preparation because there's a, there's a lot to do. But um, but yeah, as you said, Matt, we are we are attempting to um, objectively explore not just the the present circumstances, but also the future implications of this. There's a lot to get into here. Yep, absolutely. I'm going to end here with how Mr. Shadow ends who says also investigate who pays for these policing systems in these neighborhoods and what is cut out of the budget to allow these expensive <laughs> systems to be put up. <laughs> Follow, they the are money. A- <laughs> Follow the money. Yes. Right? 
They are a bad company doing junk science to justify over-policing in black and brown communities. People have been killed based on these false claims and have been imprisoned, and even worse, their overall accuracy rate is garbage. Uh, and I guess that's okay. Mr. Shadow out. Okay. Well, folks, uh, this is this means that we're on to something, and this is the kind of stuff that we love about the show. This is also why we are grateful to you for tuning in. So thank you to everybody who wrote to us. Thank you to everybody who's hit us up on our phone line. Thank you to everybody who swung by one way or another to contact us. Uh, join up with us. You can be a part of the show as well. All you have to do is tell us what's on your mind. Uh, DNA modeling of suspects. What What's going on with that? Uh, how do you cheat at competitive fishing or lie detector tests? <laughs> you know, give us the the unethical life pro tips, and then of course, shot spotter. Uh, as you know, we've been we've been going back and forth on this one for a while, and we do hope you tune into the episode. But right now, we want you to find us out there in the dark of the internet. Yeah, it's you know, it's not too hard to do. Shine a light and you will find us. Uh you can find us at the handle conspiracy stuff on Twitter, on Facebook and on our YouTube channel on Instagram. We are Conspiracy Stuff Show. We've got a YouTube channel that was mentioned. You should go there and check it out. That's my song for the day, YouTube slash conspiracy it's hard to search for you literally have to go to youtube.com slash conspiracy i can't find it when i search on google guys i don't know what's wrong i don't know what's going on i find the old how stuff works videos in the channel i can't find conspiracy stuff i don't know what's wrong with me unless i type it right in so do that and also you can call us the rumors are true you can uh, take your phone and dial a certain set of numbers, like casting a spell. The spell is 1-833-STDWYTK. If your spell is successful, you will hear a familiar voice and then a beep like so, beep, after which you will have three minutes. They are yours. They are magic. Go weird with it. Give yourself a nickname, a nom de plume. Uh, I'm kidding. You're writing, so it wouldn't be a nom de plume. But, you know, give yourself a cool nickname, the kind of thing you always wanted, your friends to call you, and tell us if it's okay to use your name and or message on the air. Most importantly, do not censor yourself. If you have something that you need to get out in the world, as you can tell, we love in-depth correspondencies. I love being able to have everything written out, to read it, to find the links, take us to the edge of the rabbit hole. We will do the rest all you have to do is drop us a line at our good old-fashioned email address where we are conspiracy at iheartradio.com stuff they don't want you to know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment 
Oh my god, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. 